Welcome to Defenders, the teaching class of Dr. William Lane Craig. Today, the Doctrine of Christ, Part 27. For more information and resources from Dr. Craig, go to reasonablefaith.org. Today we want to continue our study of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, uh, first letter that is, chapter 15. You remember last time we saw how Paul offers a very simple, logical argument to refute the Corinthian heresy that the dead are not raised. Paul reasons in verses 12 and 13, if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. But then premise 2, verse 20, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, from which it follows logically that therefore the dead are raised. Now today we come to the second half of the chapter, the nature of the resurrection body, which is verses 35 through 57. In these verses, Paul provides his solution to the Corinthian heresy. He shows why the Corinthians are wrong in thinking that there is no resurrection of the dead. So let's read together what Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 35 through 57. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish man, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body which is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is alike, but there is one kind for men, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are celestial bodies, and there are terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, and then quoting from Genesis, the first man, Adam, became a living being, end quote. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual which is first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. As is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. 
I tell you this, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Lo, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable nature must put on the imperishable, and this mortal nature must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy victory? O death, where is thy sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can almost hear the strains of Handel's Messiah as you read those verses, can't you? Um, here, the Corinthian objection is found in verse 35. How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? The Corinthian Christians were in some way revolted at the idea of the resurrection of this uh, material body with all of its infirmities and drawbacks and deficits. And so they apparently denied the resurrection of the dead. And Paul's answer in this half of the chapter is to emphasize that the resurrection body that we shall have is not simply a resuscitation of this earthly body that we presently have, but will involve a radical transformation of the body so that the resurrection body will be endowed with supernatural properties and powers far beyond what this earthly body enjoys. And therefore the Corinthians should not object to this sort of doctrine of the resurrection when it's properly understood. Now in order to convey to these Corinthian Christians the radical difference between our earthly body and the resurrection body that we shall have, Paul appear, appeals to three analogies in verses 35 to 41. The first analogy is the analogy between the seed and the plant. The seed that is sown is obviously much, much different than the plant that eventually comes from it. Uh, think of the difference between the seed of a date and a palm tree that would grow out of that seed. And obviously Paul and Israelites were familiar with different kinds of seeds, as he says. Uh, they knew the difference between corn and wheat, uh, or a date palm and an olive uh, pit. And there are different sorts of plants that come forth from these seeds. And this is an apt analogy to the resurrection in the sense that this earthly body is like the seed that is sown in the ground. Later Paul will pick up this language of being sown to describe the burial of the earthly body like a seed. And then the resurrection body is like that 
vastly, vastly different plant that springs forth from the seed that was sown. So this is a good analogy in this sort of temporal transformation that will take place. The second analogy that he appeals to is to different kinds of flesh. He says that even in the animal kingdom, there are different sorts of flesh uh, that animals have, birds have, fish have, human beings have. And I think the word flesh here basically means meat. Uh, they, these different kinds of um, organic creatures have different kinds of meat. There's a difference between pork and beef and tilapia, uh, for example. So that Paul is saying even in the earthly realm we see that there are great differences between things. And therefore we shouldn't be surprised if there are great differences between our present earthly body and the resurrection body that we will someday have. And then the third analogy is uh, particularly apt, and this is the difference between the glory of celestial bodies of different sorts and terrestrial things that exist. Here the word glory undoubtedly refers to their luminosity because he speaks of one glory of the sun, another of the moon, another of the stars, and star differs from star in glory. They have different brightness that even these ancient uh, Israelites could see as they looked up at the night sky with the naked eye. And so in the same way we'll see Paul says that the resurrection body will differ radically from the earthly body in its glory. It will be much, much more glorious than the present earthly body that we have. And so we see a preview of this, as it were, or an, an analogy, an illustration in the different luminosities of celestial bodies and um, terrestrial bodies in the world today. By means of these three analogies of the seed and the plant, the different kinds of meat, the difference in luminosity between celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, Paul is trying to help the Corinthians to see that there can be tremendous and important differences between different things, um, and particularly between this earthly body that we have and the resurrection body that we will have. And he will discuss those then with verse 42 and following. Now before we look at his discussion of the differences between the earthly body and the resurrection body, does anyone have a question or comment about these three analogies that Paul draws and the purpose that they serve in his argument? Good. Now, in verse 42 then, he says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead, and he applies this, these analogies to the resurrection of the dead in order to contrast our present earthly body with the resurrection body that we shall have. And Paul draws basically four contrasts between our present earthly body and our future resurrection body. The first is that the earthly body is mortal, whereas the resurrection body will be immortal. Our earthly bodies are perishable, they age, they wear out, finally we die. It is the inevitable outcome of uh, 
our humanity that we are going to die unless we live until the return of Christ. So that the earthly body is a perishable and mortal body. By contrast, the resurrection body will be immortal. It will be imperishable. It, it will never die. It will never decay. It will never corrupt. This is an enormous difference between these earthly bodies and the resurrection body that we will someday have. The second um, contrast that he draws between the earthly body and the resurrection body is that the earthly body is weak, whereas the resurrection body will be powerful. We have limited abilities, limited strength and capacity in these earthly bodies. And they're frail. They're all too susceptible, as we know, to injury and illness and infirmity. But the resurrection body is going to be an incredibly powerful body. It will not be susceptible to accident or injury or um, decay or infirmity. This is going to be a, a powerful, immortal, bodily existence that we will someday have. The third contrast is that the earthly body is dishonorable, whereas the resurrection body will be glorious. The reason that the earthly body is dishonorable is not because of its materiality. It's dishonorable because it's infected with sin. And because we are sinful, this earthly body is uh, dishonored. It's, it's uh, shameful. It, it is a fallen um, sort of existence uh, as a result of human sin. By contrast, the resurrection body will be glorious. And here I don't think that Paul means that it's going to be shining or luminous. That was just an analogy with the celestial bodies and the terrestrial bodies. That's one sense of glory. But the sense in which the resurrection body will be glorious is not that it's going to be shining like a light bulb, but that it's going to be freed from sin and all of the effects and damages of sin. This is going to be a body which is uh, sinless and unimpaired by evil. It will be freed entirely from the influence and effects of evil and therefore will be glorious uh, just as God is glorious. Now none of these contrasts so far would lead you to think that the earthly body is material but the resurrection body is somehow going to be immaterial, whatever that might mean, what, what would be an immaterial body. But the last contrast has occasioned a great deal of confusion. In the translation that I read you, which was the RSV, it renders this last contrast as saying that the earthly body is physical and that the resurrection body is spiritual. And the way we use these terms in English might lead you to think that the earthly body is a material, tangible, extended, uh, visible body, whereas the resurrection body is going to be 
an intangible, immaterial, uh, invisible, unextended, quote-unquote, body of some sort. But in fact, that's not at all the meaning of Paul's terms here. And commentators on 1 Corinthians are agreed on this point. The word that is translated in the RSV as physical is psuchikos. Psuchikos. Now, you notice the word in there, psuche, which means soul. Or we get our word psychic from that. The psuche, psuche is a soul. So this word literally means soulish. The earthly body is soulish. Now, obviously, in saying that the earthly body is soulish, Paul didn't mean that the earthly body is made out of soul. Rather, soulish, or psuchikos, is a word that is used in the New Testament to denote the fallen, natural human nature. And so probably many of your translations render this more accurately as that the earthly body is natural. That is to say, it's, it pertains to and partakes in fallen human nature. Psuchikos always has that sort of negative connotation. Now, I'm sorry, yes, I can spell that. P-S-Y-C-H-I-K-O-S. P-S-Y-C-H-I-K-O-S. Psuchikos. Now, here's another one. What's the word for spiritual? Well, it is pneumatikos. Pneumatikos. And you notice the word pneuma in that adjective. And pneuma, as we all know, uh, is a word from which we get words like pneumatic, like a pneumatic pump. Um, pneuma is spirit or uh, wind or air. Now, in saying that the spiritual or that the resurrection body is pneumaticos, Paul no more means that this is going to be a body made out of spirit than when he said that the earthly body is psuchikos meant it's a body made out of soul. The body that is psuchikos, soulish, is a body that is natural. It pertains to and is dominated by the fallen human nature. Similarly, pneumaticos describes not the substance of the resurrection body, but its orientation. It is spiritual in the sense that it is under the domain uh, of the Holy Spirit, of God. So this is a sense of spiritual that you use when you say, for example, that the pastor is a spiritual man. You don't mean that the pastor is an invisible, intangible, immaterial, unextended man. Rather, you mean that he is oriented toward and dominated by the Spirit of God. And in that sense, he is spiritual. And this is what Paul means in calling the resurrection body a spiritual body in contrast to a soulish, natural body. If there were any doubt about this uh, fact, these doubts would be resolved by turning back a few pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 15, 
where we have exactly the same vocabulary applied to people. In verse 14 of chapter 2, he says, the unspiritual man, the anthropos psuchikos, that is say the natural man, does not receive the gifts of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man, the anthropos pneumaticos, the spiritual man judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Here the contrast is not between material, visible, tangible man and immaterial, unextended, invisible man. Rather, the natural man is the man who is dominated by the fallen human nature and oriented toward it. The spiritual man is the man who is filled with the Spirit of God and dominated by and oriented toward the Spirit of God. So in 1 Corinthians 2, we have exactly the same terms, and their usage and meaning is very clear. So when it comes to 1 Corinthians 15, the contrast between the earthly body and the resurrection body is not between an Im, a material body and an immaterial body, which for Paul would be a contradiction in terms. What in the world would be an immaterial, unextended, invisible, intangible body. Uh, It's a contradiction in terms. Paul believed in the resurrection of the body, not the immortality of the soul. All Pauline commentators are agreed with this. Paul's hope was not Plato's hope that the soul would slough off the prison house of the body and go away to be with God. Rather, Paul held to the traditional Jewish belief of the resurrection of the body So he believes that there will be a resurrection body, but it will transcend the powers and capacities of the earthly body in dramatic ways. It will be immortal, powerful, glorious, and it will be dominated by and oriented toward the Spirit of God and freed completely from sin. The French uh, commentator Jean Ering says that the contrast between Uh, physical and spiritual, which we've inherited since Descartes to mean the sort of contrast between the mind and the body is so dominant, he says that we shouldn't really translate this term pneumaticos as spiritual because of the misconnotations that that engenders. So Ehring suggests that as the opposite of natural, it would be better to translate pneumaticos as supernatural. Now, that's not the literal etymology of the word, but I think he's making a good point. This is a contrast between a natural body and a supernatural body that will be dominated by and oriented toward the Spirit of God. And if you look in, again, this same letter, chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians 15, the RSV translators use supernatural as a translation of the word pneumaticos in chapter 10 verses 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 4. I want you to know, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same supernatural food, pneumaticos, 
the same supernatural food and all drank the same supernatural drink. For they drank from the supernatural rock which followed them and the rock was Christ. Now obviously the manna and the water that the Israelites ate and drank in the Sinai desert was not immaterial, intangible, invisible, unextended bread and water. That would hardly have sustained them uh, for 40 years in the wilderness, right? Rather, these were physical realities that they ate and drank, but they were supernatural in some sense, uh, provided by God, miraculous, uh, if you will. So I think that Ering is right that it would be less misleading to translate this last contest as between the natural body and the supernatural resurrection body. Any comments or questions on this point? Yes, over here on the right, Steve. Couldn't you also interpret it as a living spirit then? Like super, like uh, whereas the other natural man is a cut off dead spirit. It would be we're raised a living spirit. Certainly, it would so, be living because right. the spirit so, gives life. Right, and so, like the uh, we after we trusted in Him, we're already a part of that. It's just lesser degree. There's going to be more of that at the later time. So you're you yes, you're in the I, kingdom Paul of heaven. Paul says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, and he says that even though our mortal earthly body is wasting away and dying, he says inside or Inwardly, perhaps is a better way to put it, inwardly we are being renewed every day by the Holy Spirit so that there is life at work within us through the Holy Spirit. And someday that transformation will be complete by the bodies also being born anew, as it were, and being invested with imperishability, immortality, sinlessness, and so forth. Some other comment or question? Yes, Jim. Oh, yes, I'm sorry, pneumaticos. The first part is like the word pneuma in English, P-N-E-U-M-A, P-N-E-U-M-A, and then T-I-K-O-S. Cindy. Could you do an analogy whereby, because of the fall, we are, the human race was sort of um, contaminated with like a cancer in the sense that even though we may have... Uh, the Holy Spirit, we accept the Holy Spirit, there's this continual deadness and, and attraction to evil, and that in the resurrection body, instead of having the Satan within us, that will be replaced by the Holy Spirit, so now we are purged of all of the cancer, the sin that's, that sins that is dwelling in us, and in lieu of that will be the Holy Spirit that will allow us to fully embrace God in all his glory. Yes, I think that's well said. Okay, someone else? Taiwan? Dr. Craig, thank you for clarification. I think I have a perfect uh, example for this. Early on, when Boeing was incorporating a computer into their design and drawing system, um, if you tell an engineer you don't need a drawing anymore, everything will be in computer, um, they couldn't understand. But now, 
I can see that a spiritual body is like a data in the computer that can manufacture a airplane or their parts, but uh, a drawing is obsolete because they no longer need that physical piece of paper. Yeah, see, I don't think that's right, Taiwan. I think that's the misunderstanding that I'm trying to get away from, that the contrast between the computer information and the physical material drawing is not the contrast that I think is drawn here. Um, it, it is not that the resurrection body is no longer a material, physical object, like the computer data is no longer on a physical hard copy. So I think that's not a good analogy. I, I think that it, it's, a, it's a change of orientation, um, more like what Cindy was describing. Um, and that's evident again in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where the difference between the two types of people the spiritual person and the natural person is not between materiality and immateriality. Um, the goal of data or the drawing is the production of the airplane. So uh, whether the, uh, the update of the drawing can become so messy that they have hard time figure out what's the latest update. Um, and yet data is clean, but it's all uh, pointing to the production of the airplane. So in that sense, I think uh, we can draw the analogy. Um, well, in that case, the analogy between the earthly body and the resurrection body would be between the old crummy airplane and the new airplane that will be produced using the computers and so forth. And that would be a good contrast. The one has powers and capacities that the old one didn't. But don't bring in this stuff about the computer data, information. That's, I think, drawing a false contrast. Okay, I think I saw a hand over here. Yes, Bobby. Do you think a, uh, another helpful description would be the difference between the two for um, what is the primary or dominant animating life force? Yes. Is that a good description to say? One is fallen, natural state, resurrection body will be spiritual. The yeah, that's yeah, got that, to be right in, in calling Adam psuchikos. It's the human soul which is fallen and corrupt that is its animating principle, whereas the resurrection body is going to be a body, but its animating principle will be, as you say, the spirit of God and not this fallen, um, corrupted human soul. I think that's a good way of putting it. Right. Well, that uh, leaves us at a good breaking uh, point. Uh, we'll next want to turn to a discussion of the first atom and the last atom and how they differ from each other. And I think what we'll do is take that question up then next time. So let's close with a benediction, shall we? And now may him who raised from the dead our Lord Jesus and made him to sit far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, and as seated is with him in the heavenlies, fill you with power to face the infirmities and trials that are ours in this life until we inherit that great hope of the resurrection of the dead. Amen. The copyright for the preceding material is held by Dr. William Lane Craig. For more, go to reasonablefaith.org.